Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4, verses 12 through 17. The title of the message today is Heart Preparation. Heart Preparation. Matthew 4, 12 through 17. Would you please stand as we read the word together? Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Verse 15, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in great darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in, in a land of shadow of death, upon them the light dawned. 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Lord, bless the study of your word today. You may be seated. Four things in this passage about which I want to speak. Um, one, recognize positioning here. Two, receive good preaching. Three, make sure you enter into repentance. And four, receive the kingdom. Um, Jesus was remarkable in his positioning. Now, most of you are not familiar with the geography of Israel. And so when you think about Jesus, you think, well, Israel. He was in Israel. And then you mostly think about Jerusalem because that was the capital, and that's where all the big stuff happened. But Jesus was in the northern part of the country. And we wouldn't think northern part would be too, too different than the, the southern part, which is where Judah was. But he was, he was born in Bethlehem, which is near Judah, but he was raised in Nazareth. And Nazareth happened to be, we believe, the, the, the home of him and his mama and his daddy from the time that he was, was exiled in, in Egypt and then brought back. So from that moment, he was brought back, and then that became his home. Um, and this region of, 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 in which he, was, he called home was about 90 miles north, as I said, of Jerusalem. Now, he decided that that wasn't north enough. It was generally perceived by most people who were most religious that if you lived further away from Jerusalem, you were less spiritual. Jerusalem was the house of God. That's where the Lord said he would put his name. Surely, if you loved him, you wouldn't live far away. And this is why many times the people who lived in the Greek world outside of Israel weren't very respected when they came back to Jerusalem and, 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 and they had to worship because they had to be, for the, be there for the feast, weren't very respected because they realized you've been living among Gentiles the entire time. You're not even in the nation. And so there was very, very little room made to accommodate their language differences, the money exchange, they had to make money exchange for things. The Jews just didn't, the, the, the iron core, hard, hardcore Jews did not appreciate anybody who didn't live close. And this is why, if you look in John chapter 1 and 2, especially chapter 1, when Jesus is getting some disciples, he gets a young man named Philip who happened to have come from John the Baptist, his buddy, John the Baptist's ministry. And John was giving his staff to Jesus because John knew this man's better than me. I can't even, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. He is so great. And that meant that the lowest servant in the house, when somebody walked in, you all have a policy when you get in your house, you got to take off your shoes? 
Okay. Well, they had a policy too. But they didn't have any, there, was no, there were no paved roads. It was all dirt. And they didn't have closed-toed shoes. So they had sandals. Put that combination together, you get some real dirty feet. So not only do you take off your shoes, but you get your feet washed. The lowest servant in the house would be responsible to do that. Not the highest, the lowest. So when somebody walked in, you untied their sandals, which usually went around the ankle. You pull off the shoe, and then you wash their feet. And then they were able to enter fully into the home. John said, I'm not even worthy of being that guy compared to him. He is stunning. He is so much better than who I am. Everything about who Jesus was, was, was that which would give people the idea that he was, he was religious, but not as religious as they, they, they wanted him to be. And so when he went to, to, to do his ministry stuff, he decided, I'm going to go north rather than south. Rather than closer to Jerusalem, I'm going north. And he decided to go to a town called Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was 30 miles north of Nazareth, right on the border of the Gentile communities, other nations. And it said that he did this to fulfill Scripture. But in fulfilling Scripture, there was a function. It wasn't just he was saying, well, this is what i, I got to do because I'm the Messiah. He went to a less spiritual environment ostensibly in order to minister to people who probably would not get any ministry because everybody considered them less than. And it said that this region to which he went was dark. Darkness. That was the, the typical way you described the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali happened to be two tribes of Israel. There were 12. These two men who were a part of the 12 tribes of, of Jacob, part of the 12 sons of Jacob, had two tribes, and they, they decided to settle way north. Those two were still Israel, but they were real close to the Gentile world. And Jesus said, I'm going to that area in order to minister. I want you to recognize the positioning that Jesus intentionally does for people who live in darkness. Darkness is a magnet for God. Are you listening to me? If it's getting real dark in your life, you can't see very well. If it's getting dark in your business, dark in your money, dark in your relationships, Jesus wants to show up in a hurry. Light wants to invade your darkness. You don't have to dwell there long. Jesus gravitates toward it. And generally speaking, if it's not dark in your world, it's dark around your world. It's dark someplace. It's dark every place. Where isn't it dark? You can't go to the news and find anything good. Nothing's good. In fact, I signed up for a, an email uh, newsletter thing called Nice News. <laughs> I still got to keep up with the other stuff. But, but this one helps me a little bit. It just encourages me a little bit. Talking about good stuff that you don't hear on the major networks. It's dark. And I can't say that it's going to get any more light on its own. Unless people have a mindset that says, I'm going to the place where folks can't see. Now, I might not be able to see very well, but I can see better than them. I might not get the entire picture, but what I got is more than what they got. And I'm going to help them like Jesus did. Get to the place where they get some sight. In the kingdom, darkness is that which attracts light so that it can show how much it overcomes. God's about to come to us in special ways, y'all. Listen to me. I'm speaking prophetically. I can't do it any better than Pastor Jim did because he's a real prophet. 
That's what he did last week. But light is coming to us. The Holy Ghost is coming in ways like we don't expect, that we don't, that we don't, we don't deserve. Revival and awakening. And he's coming to illuminate the areas of darkness in your life that you don't, you don't even know that are dark. You've lived that way all your life. You've just expected it's supposed to be this bad. You don't have any hopes about it being much better because that's what your mama had. That's what your siblings had. That's what your auntie, aunties and uncle got. And the kind of life God wants you to live is not even an expectation that's based on biblical principle. It's just based on, it, 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 I'll say it this way, the kind of life God wants you to live is based on biblical principle. But the kind of life that you're expecting is less than if you don't, if you don't grab the passages of Scripture and hold on to them. If you don't believe in the promises of God, you're always going to live less, far below the standard to which God wants you to live. Darkness invades our lives. I've been walking with him for 42 years, and I'm still noticing areas in my life. That needs to go. That needs to go. That needs to go. I said, well, you're Jesus. You know, I've been in this thing for a little bit now. You're really requiring that kind of... Yes, I am. In this day, I am. In this day I am. What does your discipleship look like? What is your heart preparation look like? What does it look like? How are you getting your soul ready for what God is about to do? Jesus is coming to the dark places to bring light. And it's very uncomfortable sometimes. Yes, it's helpful in that now you get illumination. But it's uncomfortable if you enjoy your darkness. Jesus is the guy... Who's, who's right on the wall at the club? <laughs> He's standing on the wall. He's standing right, right on the wall. And the light switch is right next to him. And at 2 a.m., he just goes, click. Everybody in the club mad? Everybody in the club mad. Who turned on the light? Because nobody wants anybody to see what they're doing in darkness. Maybe you like your darkness. You don't want it to be illuminated. In this hour, it doesn't matter. God's coming. He's coming. Those people in Capernaum didn't ask for Jesus to show up. He just did. You may not even ask for it. You may not even want him to come deeper into your life. He's coming. Because he loves you. He loves you. He wants you to stop what you're doing. He wants you to repent. He wants you to serve him with all of it, all your heart. Recognize his positioning. He's coming to you in special ways, in ways you don't expect, and in ways you may not like, but in ways that are extremely helpful. He's coming to you. Recognize his positioning. He's not only coming to you, he's coming to us as a people. For years, I've been asking the Holy Spirit to do what we couldn't. We aren't the best at anything. We work really hard. We try with excellence to perform our service to God with real faithfulness and in a way that allows you to grow. What we do, we do fairly well. But there may be other people who do it better. But I know this, that whatever we do, it's not nearly enough because he can do everything better. Everything we, everything we do, he can do better. We're just trying to work it out as best we can with our human frailty. 
to bring out a product that looks like it was born in heaven. That's what we're trying to do, but we got too much of us in it sometimes. Whether it's my marriage, whether it's my parenting, whether it's my friendships, whether it's my ministry, I got too much of me in it to make it look like it just came from heaven. There's always a, a qualifier. <laughs> There's an asterisk around whatever I do. This had a lot of bread in it. And I've been asking God, I said, Lord, we're doing what we can. I've pushed it up. I've gotten as much juice out of this little body as I can in the last 43 years. But I need you to help me. And I'll keep pushing, but I need you to help. Do what I can't. Speak beyond what I say. Work beyond what I labor in. Fill minds beyond what they hear. God, do something beyond us. And I'm convinced he's going to do it preparing hearts. I'm trying to prepare yours this morning, but I can't do it with a meat cleaver. I'm not trying to preach real hard. I'm trying to be relevant, but you got to hear beyond what I'm saying. You got to be open to the Holy Spirit and let him begin to say, Lord, maybe today there's a change I need to make that I didn't want to make yesterday. Maybe today. Jesus wants to bring light. Secondly, it says he preached. Now, this message is really simple. One of the most simple I've ever preached. But I think it's profound with respect to where we're going as a people. It says he preached. Did you know Jesus was a preacher? I mean, we don't think of him like that. We think of him as a miracle worker. We think of him as a guy who had incredible prowess and, and stature and, 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 and mostly like the people who were portrayed him in, in pictures with a little lamb around his neck. Very sensitive and kind, always thinking about the weak. But he was a dude that sat on a stool. <laughs> he used a pulpit, if you will. Now, I'm not saying he sat on a stool, but it does say when he went to the sermon, you know Sermon on the Mount? It says he went up to the mountain and sat down. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But he was a preacher. He preached. That Sermon on the Mount must have been an hour and a half. It's about four chapters long. <laughs> and, and it couldn't have been one of those that, that he just ran through because the concepts were so different. I mean, it had to be when the disciples, it was only for the disciples that anybody else with an earshot could get it, but it was only for the disciples when the disciples were taking notes and wait, 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 wait. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will inherit the earth. No, 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 no. You're the Messiah. You're coming to be king, a king that doesn't have any reins, no boundaries to his authority or power, and you're supposed to kick out Rome, deal with Herod, deal with all the religious people, and we are supposed to take over. That doesn't happen by peacemaking. That happens by war-making. He was blowing their minds regularly in this message, and so he couldn't run through it. It had to be some conversation in the middle after he finished the Beatitudes. Say, wait, 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 Jesus. We didn't get any of that. We didn't get any of that. Help me, please, because none of that makes any sense to me. You want me to be your disciple, I'm going to have to parrot what you say. I can't believe any of that because I don't even know what you're trying to communicate here. That Sermon on the Mount had to be at least an hour and a half. He was a preacher. And being around the preached word allows you the privilege of hearing things that you normally would not in your own personal devotional life. Yeah. 
It allows you to hear things with others that happen to be in common vision with you so that your heart is linked to a group of people that allow you to say we had a common experience and now we feel better together to do together. Preaching the word and loving to hear it preached. And sometimes if you can't be on a Sunday morning, and by the way, happy you're here. All of you, glad you are here. I love this church more than any other congregation in the world, and that without apology. I don't care if anybody says I'm biased. Guilty! (laughs) And happy about it. But even if you can't make it to church, go ahead and preach to yourself. Don't just read your Bible. Preach it to yourself. Oh, gosh, I'm letting this word flow out of my mouth regularly. I memorize the Bible. It's part, of my, it's part of my being. Psalm 112. Praise the Lord, how blessed is a man who fears the Lord and greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. This is my life psalm. My life psalm. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness will endure forever. Light rises in the darkness for the upright, for he is gracious, compassionate, and righteous. Listen to me. Light rises in the dark. Even when it's dark, light will rise for you. He is gracious when he lends, and the Lord will defend his cause. He is righteous, and his righteousness will endure forever. He will never have fear of evil tidings, for his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart will be upheld. He will not fear until he sees satisfaction for all of his adversaries. He gives freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. The the wicked will see it and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and melt away in fear. The desire of the wicked will perish. Listen, when I read this psalm, I don't just sit it here. I say it out of my mouth. When I say it out of my mouth, somehow it gets down here. Preach to yourself. Talk about this word. That's how, you, that's how you meditate on it. That's how you get it down on the inside. And in these days that are coming, you want to be able to represent not just that you are a Christian, but you want to be able to represent to somebody that you have answers for them. And those answers don't come from your good common sense because your good common sense may not be very good. It comes from the word. Jesus preached, and he was preaching to people that sometimes didn't want to hear what he had to say, but some did. Some of that seed fell on good soil and it produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. Be one of those people that hear this word and receive it and take it down on the inside of your soul and let it be magnified so it brings the kingdom some kind of benefit. Preached word. Thirdly, when he preached, he said, repent. Repentance is one of the, the hardest words to hear because we have contextualized it in, in, in preachers who are, who, have very, who are very demonstrative in their presentation. And, and it seems like they're angry when they tell you to do this. Repent or perish. <laughs> you, you just think, why are you so mad at me? Gosh. But it's been characterized like that, but it's not. It is one of the most fabulous concepts, scripture, you're ever going to want to embrace. Repentance means you get to change your mind. That's hopeful, because your mind needs changing. We don't think right. Isaiah said in 55, Isaiah 55, your thoughts aren't mine. Mm-mm. 
My ways aren't yours. You have no idea what I would do in this situation. You have no idea how I think about that situation. You, do you know God likes people you don't? I'm just being real. I mean, there are some people that you don't want to get because you know you're a good Christian. And you can't get, you, get, you got to forgive. You can't exact vengeance. That's God's realm. But you don't mind telling God, you can get him if you want to. <laughs> I ain't going to touch it. But your, your, your vengeance is yours. Do your job. <laughs> and God's sitting there thinking, I'm not trying to get them. He's not on your side. He's not on your side. He's waiting for you to get on his. Our minds don't think like him. And so we don't just need to repent in order to be right with God so we can go to heaven. Yes, amen. Do that first. But afterwards, there is a concept that runs throughout Christianity for the rest of your life that says you get the privilege of repenting all the time. Ah, gosh, I didn't know. I, I, I thought that's what you wanted me to do with my money. And so I decided to go golfing. I, you know, I needed recreation. I, I, need, I needed to, to self, uh, uh, what, what do you call that? Self-care. I needed self-care. I needed self-care. And so that, that $75 green fee, and, and all that, I, it, it helped my soul. I ain't against golfing. I'm not against self-care. I am for God's ways and his thoughts and about, and about what needs to be done with the stuff he's given us and that we are stewards, it's not ours. Tithing, offering. I know some of y'all thinking, hey, I don't know nothing about that. Your ways aren't his, obviously. You want to be blessed? Tithe. 10%. Everything you bring in. Not, not birthday money that people give you. Don't do that. Not talking about gifts and anniversary. But what you, what you give your hand to to make, what you earn, 10% is God's. That's not bread. That's Malachi. Bring the whole tithe. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse because it's mine. It's mine. It's not a law. It's possession. It's a reality. And then offering above that. Offering above that, lots of money. My wife and I give away lots of money, lots of money. And we're always trying to give away more. I'm trying to make my, my thoughts and, and, and my ways, his ways and thoughts. Yeah. I want his ideas. Repentance is that which allows husbands to get more right. And all the wives are saying, oh, I like that. I like, I like that, Pastor. I don't have to take out the trash anymore. Hallelujah. <laughs> Repentance allows you to humble yourself when you're wrong and say, please forgive me. I'm not going to do that again. Jesus said, repent, change your mind. The word in the Greek is metanoi, which means to change your mind. It, 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 it's, not a, it's not a synonym for saying I'm sorry. They're tied, but it's not a synonym. If you say you're sorry, you haven't yet repented. All you've done is show remorse. Good first step. Remorse is important. You need to feel bad about what you've done. And I do not care what anybody else says about whether we need to, to <laughs> how, how, how uncomfortable it is for people to feel bad about their wrongdoing. It, 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 it really harms their self-esteem. Good. Because they have a wrong concept of self-esteem. 
They're basing their, their esteem on their own sense of rightness when they are mainly wrong. And so they're deceiving themselves. The only way we can understand what is most right about us is if we comply with what Scripture says that is most wrong about us. <laughs> Understanding that we need to change in order to become most right. And the only way you can do that to first start relationally, if you've offended somebody by being wrong, is to say, stop, 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 stop. Oh, I'm sorry. That allows a relationship to get off now on a good footing toward restoration. After you say, I'm sorry, you say, Please forgive me. Second thing, I don't want this to come between us anymore. And I'm asking, you don't have to, but I'm asking that you might not hold this against me so that we don't have anything between us any long, long, anymore. Please forgive me. A, a, an appeal for restored relationship. Thirdly, I want you to know, I will not do this again. Those three things are things that we drove into the heart of our kids as they grew up, that they needed to apologize they needed to ask for forgiveness, and they needed to repent. Repentance gives confidence to the person that you offended that he, every time they meet you, you meet them, they're not going to be slapped. If they verbally slapped you last week, and you saw them this week, and they didn't repent, but they said they were sorry, and say, wait, I, I forgave you, but I don't know that we can continue to have conversation because I feel very threatened by you regularly. I don't feel safe in this environment. So if you're going to keep doing this, we need to, we need to text. <laughs> we'll chat, but we're not going to meet face-to-face -face anymore. Repentance gives you the confidence that you can move forward in a relationship. Restore trust. Jesus said, repent. Repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God is trying to give us something that is so valuable. Kingdom principles, kingdom stewardship. The disciples thought the kingdom was going to be a place where Jesus actually sat on a throne, as I said before, and took over stuff, a physical throne. But it wasn't. It was something different, something more, something larger. The kingdom of God doesn't have defined borders. It is a realm that allows for heaven to touch earth without ceasing. Nothing stops it. It just keeps going. And it has no end to its influence. It is a forever thing. It abides in people's hearts. And so wherever a person, a, wherever a person is who loves Jesus and has accepted his salvation, gotten right, they now become a possible emissary of the kingdom to advance his cause in the earth wherever they are, advancing it in their relationships at home, Advancing it in their workplace, advancing it in their school, advancing it in their community centers, advancing the kingdom every place. He's saying you get entrance into this kingdom if you repent. Repentance is the on-ramp to come into the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is what? At hand. Right here. Never before had people, the commoner, ever thought that they could really be a citizen of the kingdom of God. They were hoping that they would be a citizen of the kingdom of the son of David, the Messiah. But the kingdom of God? You mean God wants to make me a citizen of his kingdom? And then that would expand to where Jesus said, I want you to know, you really can't see the kingdom, nor can you enter into it unless you're born again. And so not only was the concept of repentance brought into this idea, but the concept of renewal was brought in when Jesus talked about this in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. 
That is not just when you change your mind, you move in a different direction. That's really important. But when you do so at the core level of your being, it's not just you're changing your mind about your finances. It's just you're changing your mind about who's in charge of your life. You are the Lord of my life now forever. I give it to you, oh God. When you do that, there is something that happens that is transformational in your soul. You become what Jesus said is born all over again. You don't just become a citizen of the kingdom. You become a son and daughter of the kingdom. Very different. Doesn't mean the blessings flow any differently. It just means you get to relate to the king differently. Then now you are his child. And you've got a seat as an inheritor. Every king has a a throne that is supposed to be uh, uh, given to an heir. And Jesus has decided to call us co-heirs with him. That's Bible. That we get to rule and reign with him. Not just stewarding principles, but being sons and daughters that carry the message and purpose of his kingdom to people who have not. Repent for the kingdom that you don't even know much about, so much bigger than your brain, is at hand for you. The kingdom is bigger than the church. Church is important. Jesus died for the church. Church is important. Jesus said, that's the one thing I'm going to build. It's a church. As a construction foreman, he has given himself to building one thing, and that is the church. But he rules as a king over the kingdom, and the church is in the kingdom. The church is not the whole whole kingdom, but the church is a place where the kingdom principles get to be expressed in great concentration. You cannot take everything that's here into your office place. Uh, Supervisor, I've got my worship team here. We're going to start off today with a a song. You You can't do that. You can't take all this there. This is where we get unqualified, concentrated kingdom focus. That's what the church is to be, so that we take this concentrated effort and bring it out to people who don't know what, they've never tasted it before. We give them a taste of the kingdom. We represent something different to them. The kingdom is bigger. The kingdom can be represented wherever you are. God said, repent, because you can enter into the kingdom, and when you enter into the kingdom, things happen differently for you. As I close, we're about to enter into some of the greatest days in this church's life. And we've had some good ones. We've had some really, really good ones. But I want you to be expectant. And I want your heart to be open about what he wants to do in a greater way in your life. Let your heart be prepared by recognizing his positioning. He's coming to you. He's moving in your neighborhood. He's becoming your roommate because he loves you that much. And he's going to dispel the darkness. He's allowing you the privilege of understanding something about the message by hearing good preaching and reading your Bible and understanding what the word has to say for you and letting it be the determiner of your future, the principles found therein. He wants you to repent so that your brain can become like his. Change your mind about things so that you can become a recipient of the most valuable stuff in the universe and that is kingdom stuff how to be a good husband to your wife how to be a great wife to your husband how to be great parents how to be better at everything transformed not just reformed transformed on the inside by the power of almighty God so that you can be what God thought you should be when he thought about creating you that's what kingdom is about 
I beg you, use this time as a moment to go home and reflect. Pray. Talk to God. Let him talk to you about what needs to change. And let the spirit of revival that is coming upon us as a people come in great concentration and overflow to the rest of the community. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. I thank you for your goodness and grace to us. You are amazing. You, you endure with us. You, you strengthen us. You, you tolerate us and you help us. There's nobody like you. Is there anybody this morning who has yet to give their heart to Christ? Maybe you've made a decision in the past, but your life doesn't look anything like what a believer's ought to be, and you'd like to make a change today. Anybody at all, raise your hand high. It's a great day to get right with God. Anybody? All right, you who are online, maybe it's you. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you're saying, I really need to make a fresh commitment to God or maybe a first commitment to God. If you find yourself there, pray this with me. Say, Father in heaven, forgive me. I am sorry for the way I've lived. I choose to turn away from everything I know to be sin and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving me the privilege of calling Jesus the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we've got a, a, a process through which we will help take you and, and, and so that your life can be more in line with Scripture and you can be successful with the decision you made. Just go ahead and check the, the box at the end of the chat there and somebody will be in contact with you. We rejoice in the decision you made today. And if anybody in here made that decision when I prayed but you didn't raise your hand, please come down front or go out to the front desk there at the information table and pick up some stuff that can help you. We love you much.